<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes that's right jsc exclusives you'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else for ten dollars or more per episode now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show you got a business you want me to talk about it i want you to sponsor my show for ten dollars hit me up send me the script i'm putting you over plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. All right, so back here in Detroit, trying to think of something I could do to kind of commemorate the first time the People's Podcast has uh, come from the hometown. So, uh, hmm, what's a good, what's a good one I could use here? That's right, I got one for you right now. Clock at 10. Andre to the backdoor cutting. Avery Bradley for the score. Count that baby and a foul. Timberwolves lead by one. Minute and a half left. Weaving through the Timberwolves is Reggie. Floats it up. Fills it up. Andre high screens for Reggie. Reggie with a fall away. Filled it up. He is burning hot and he has... Taken over. This is a 52-yard field goal attempt to give the Lions the lead. Traders ready. Mulebach with the snap. There it is. Spot down. Kick away. It is up and it is good. He got it. Just got it over. Matt Prater from 52 in tough conditions knocks it through. That guy is money. Connor Barth, five out of eight from 40 to 49 this year. This will be a 46-yarder. Hash mark right side, trying to tie this game. Wind swirling here at Soldier Field. That'll be a factor. Here we go. There's the snap, spot, kick away. It is up and it is no good. He missed it. He pushed it to the right and the Lions survive. part for me has been hearing I'm not good enough because it's not something that I've I've ever settled for. I mean, in soccer, it was the same thing. I was told I was too skinny. I was too tall. I played for my dad growing up and everyone used to say, you're not good enough. You're only getting by because your dad coached you. And I was determined to prove that I was good enough. When I got at each level I got to, I was determined to get to the next one. And I've never settled. And it's been the same thing with my career. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 57th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio for your Thanksgiving week. What the hell is happening with y'all? What's good with you? And since I'm checking in this week from the Motor City, my home, I give a hearty 
What up, though, to everybody here in the Motor City, here in Detroit, Michigan, checking in from JSC Radio West or the JSC Radio home base, whichever one you prefer. My name's Jay Scott Smith. Thank you for checking in on this Thanksgiving week. Yes, we're up a little early this week in advance of the holiday. First things first, man, you effing with the words. Let me get this out here. I want to thank each and every one of you who checked out the retro review. That is still up right now on jscottsmith.com, on SoundCloud. Obviously, if you subscribe to this show, you already got it. So take a second and check out the retro review of Survivor Series 1997. Man, listen, that thing was, it was interesting to go through it. It was funny kind of seeing a 1997 pay-per-view, especially one that consequential through 2017 eyes. But man, listen, the reception of that has been something wild. So get your ass on to jscottsmith.com right now. If you're you're on there right now, thank you. I appreciate it. Tell others. And take a second to listen to that thing. Go ahead, and if you want to take it on the road with you, because some of you are traveling, you're taking flights this week right now, you're traveling on the road, going to see family wherever you are in the country, wherever you are, whether you're on the East Coast, West Coast, Down South, Midwest, going international, whatever the case may be, because apparently this show is big overseas. So shout out to all you guys overseas in England and Germany and Italy and, yes, even Russia, you know, for you Trump people out there in Russia. Thanks for the love. Showing love to the show worldwide. You can follow me on Twitter at J. Scott Smith. You can get at the show at JSC Radio. You can get at me on Instagram at J. Scott Smith. And you can get at me on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith. Original. As I am verified on multiple platforms. I want to thank each and every one of y'all again. For showing support for the show, showing support for JSC TV every Saturday on RVNTV.TV. And of course, the people who keep coming back to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Y'all got a sneak peek at this week's episode. If you have Patreon and you want to get sneak peeks and exclusives, go to the Patreon page and toss some money your boys way and help this show continue to put things together and grow, baby grows. So... What we got on tap for this week? We have another guest. First guest in a while we've had on this program. Uh, an exceptional young lady by the name of Renee Washington. She's a multiple-time All-American at LaSalle. She played soccer. She got LaSalle into three NCAA tournaments. But now she's gone from kicking it on the field to kicking it in the broadcast booth and kicking it on the sidelines. And she's made this transition into this wild business that I'm in, the business of broadcasting, the business of journalism. She's an exceptional talent. She's a hell of an interview. And she's also, by the way, pretty damn competitive. And you'll find that competitive fire in her as I was able to sit down and talk to her. And you'll hear that entire interview coming up this week on the Thanksgiving week edition of JSC Radio. Plus, you heard it there in the intro. I'm back home. And it's good to be home. It's good to be back here in the Motor City. It's good to be back in Detroit. Good to be back in the state of Michigan. And I I will say this. As much as I talk about Detroit on this show, I don't think y'all quite get what it's like to be from the city of Detroit, to have grown up here, to have all your connections here. I often compare Detroit and Philadelphia because they have the kind of a similar energy and a similar background, very hard scrabble, very protective massively protective of their own, like shockingly protective. It's just how we roll. But to be back home, this time of year is something special. Not just simply for being around family and being around friends, but also in sports, it's special around here. College football season's coming to a close. Then there's, of course, as you heard in the intro, you knew you were not going to get into a Thanksgiving week show with me without me talking about those damn Detroit Lions. And here's the thing. I've heard this for years from people outside of Detroit, and it was really, really loud during that stretch of the 2000s, the Matt Millen era, where the Lions were just a complete and total dumpster fire. Why does Detroit get... Why do we have to watch the Detroit Lions every year on Thanksgiving? Why Why do they get a Thanksgiving Day game? Why do we have to watch them? Nobody's making you watch them. Shut up. And you know what? No, shut up and watch them because it's American tradition. The Lions have been playing on Thanksgiving Day since 1934. 
and they will continue to play on Thanksgiving Day. No matter what the whiny bastards in Kansas City have to say, no matter what anybody else has to say, Detroit was the original Thanksgiving Day game, and it is what it is. And prior to the Matt Millen era, the Lions had a winning record on Thanksgiving. It was one of the few things historically the Detroit Lions had a winning record in until Matt Millen ruined that. But Thanksgiving used to be a big deal, and it still is a big deal in Detroit because of the parade in the morning down Woodward Avenue, because of the Lions game, because of the, the, there are numerous malls in the Detroit area, albeit we no longer have Northland. We've got numerous malls in the Detroit area. All the stores open up for Black Friday. I have Black Friday damn stories. I actually worked one year at what is now known as Macy's, but what was at the time known as Marshall Fields, but for those of us who live in Detroit, it was known as Hudson's previously. I actually worked a Black Friday in retail. And let me tell you something. You people are animals. You're animals. What the hell's wrong with you? Like, I, I remember walking in there that morning. It was 2003. I, I was not long out of college. And I was just working that as just to get a job to get some extra money. And I'm, I'm in there, and I had to show up at work at 4.30 a.m., something that now, unfortunately, I wish I could be at work at 4.30 a.m. That would be later. But I'm showing up at 4.30 in the morning. And get there, and there are people, the parking lot is packed. There are people at the doors. What is wrong with you? What the hell is wrong with you? You make it seem like this, like the, like what you're trying to get for Christmas ain't going to be there at 11 a.m., at 12 noon. These doorbuster specials. People literally pushing and shoving and tackling their way out of there. I got a real funny story about this. I was working in that store that day. It's 2003. It's day after Thanksgiving. Lions had actually won the day before. And I think that was the last time they would win on, on Thanksgiving Day for like a decade almost. But they they won on Thanksgiving that day before. And Dre Bly, my Lions fans will remember Dre Bly. Dre Bly had like two interceptions that Thanksgiving game. Who do I see in Marshall Fields that next day but Dre freaking Bly of the Detroit Lions? And we end up standing next to each other as these people are, are basically just pushing and shoving and fighting their way through crowds. And we're looking at each other like, what the hell is this? I've never, I'd never worked or been at a mall that early on quote-unquote Black Friday. I will never do that shit again. So on Friday morning, do not expect to see me out at 12 Oaks Mall or at Fairlane Mall or at uh, Great Lakes Crossing. I ain't going to be in any of these places. My ass going to be in bed, hanging out, chilling. If I'm going to go up near a mall day after Thanksgiving... It might be at around 12 noon or 1 p.m. Once the madness has died down just a touch, just a skosh, a little bit. It's one of the things I love about going home. And Philly, I love you. But anybody, if you see the cards, you see the logo. If, you're, if, you've, got a, if you've got an iPhone and you see the, the JSC logo when you play this on your podcast function on iTunes. You remember, you've got to hit the subscribe button. What do you see on that logo? You see the words JSC Radio, you see the People's Podcast, you see the Twitter handles, you see my man Doc Illensworth. I'm going to holler at him while I'm back here too. You see my man Doc Illensworth. And also if you look in the upper right-hand corner, you see two things, PHI and DET, Philadelphia and Detroit. This show is always going to be linked to those two cities. So if y'all think I talk about Detroit too much, you have two things you can do. Number one, sit. Number two, spin. Because this is a Detroit and Philly type of show most of the time. And speaking of Detroit, I mentioned it. We have a tradition on Thanksgiving. The Detroit Lions play on Thanksgiving. Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or whether you don't like it, learn to love it. Because it ain't going no damn where. And this time, it's actually a pretty damn important game. For the second straight year, they're going to play the Minnesota Vikings on Thanksgiving. And as you heard there in the open... The Lions needed every inch to get out of Chicago. I've said this over and over again, and I've mentioned it on this show. I've mentioned it to anybody who will listen to me. The Detroit Lions might end up losing a game to the Chicago Bears this year. They damn near lost a game on Sunday to them. They almost should have. They did what they normally do. They spotted a team that, on paper, is far inferior to them. They spotted this team a 10-point lead. It's like they just they might as well just open the game with the scoreboard at 10 nothing for their opponent. Because that's what they do. They'll spot you at least 10, in some cases 14, 
And in the case of like the Panthers, 17, or in the case of the New Orleans Saints, 35, and then try to come charging back. And you can only pull that off so many times. And finally, I'm starting to hear others join me in the chorus of having an issue with the Lions doing this whole spot you attend, 14, 17-point lead, and then try to race back and steal it at the finish. At some point, the Detroit Lions have to kick some team's ass. The Minnesota Vikings have kicked some team's ass. The New Orleans Saints have been doing nothing but kicking team's ass. The Patriots kick your ass. The Steelers kick your ass. I'm getting tired of the Lions doing this whole cardiac cats and chase you down and, oh, we're going to get you at the finish and we never quit and we never give up and, oh, that's a good team on the other side of the field. No, it's not. The Bears are the Bears are hot dog water. The Cleveland Browns are the are, are the gum at the bottom of your shoe after you stepped in dog poop. You should not be spotting a team that's won one out of their last 25 games a 10 nothing lead at home. Not when you've got the alleged greatest quarterback in your franchise history. Not when you have an alleged MVP candidate under center for you. Not my words, Lions fans. Not when you've got that. You should be out here waxing some team's ass. And I don't mean just the I don't mean just the bad teams. I mean actually get out here and beat somebody worth a damn. And to be fair, the Lions did beat Minnesota earlier this year. So now they got to do it again just to be able to have a chance to steal the division. Because if the Lions lose this game on on Thanksgiving Day, they're three back with five to play. And unlike last year, unless Aaron Rodgers is suddenly going to rematerialize and take over for Stafford, they're not making up three in the last five. That ain't happening. Only last year's Lions are going to blow a three-game lead with five to play. That ain't happening. And it looks like the only way the Lions are making the playoffs is if they somehow steal this division from Minnesota. And who's to say they won't? But Minnesota would have to completely collapse, and the Lions would have to do something they're not fond of doing. That's actually getting out and beating a team, or two, or three. And their schedule isn't the most difficult, but... Unlike the rest of the slaps in Detroit, oh, look at their schedule. It's so easy. They should be primed or ready to roll. These are the Detroit Lions. They're going to lose at least two games. One of them's probably going to be on Thursday. But these are the Detroit Lions. They have a good chance of losing a couple of those games. I can't sit here and say that they're a shoe-in to beat Baltimore, for example. I can't sit here and say they're a shoe-in to beat Minnesota again. You kidding me? Yeah, Cincinnati's still there. Yeah, Bears are still there. Yeah, and apparently Green Bay has gone into the tank. So that's three. That'll get you to nine. But I'm not going to sit here and believe in them. That they're just going to roll right on through to the finish line. I don't trust that team. Neither should you. The Eagles, here in Philadelphia, for example. The Eagles go into Dallas and basically just take a sledgehammer to that damn star. I love that. That's what they, The Eagles did what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go in there and beat the hell out of a team. What team is the Lions beating the hell out of this year? The Giants, they're garbage. The Packers, Aaron Rodgers is dead. They're garbage. I can't even say the Bears. I can't say the Browns. So give me a reason to believe in you. The same thing I've been saying over and over again. I don't need to rehash it. Go back to the episodes from earlier this year if you want to hear how what I think about this whole thing. I can't rehash this shit. Before I step out of here and I hand this mic off over to Renee Washington, I will say that I'm, as I talked about on JSC TV last weekend, by the way, go to rvntv.tv for that on the archives, by the way. One of my pleasant surprises are the Detroit Pistons. Count that baby and a foul. I know. I just said here a few weeks ago that they are the basketball equivalent of a C minus. And by the way, I'm not backing off of that. They're not a very interesting team to watch. But they keep finding ways to win. And that's all that matters. And unlike the NFL where you only get 16 tries at the apple and you got to kind of show something, the NBA, piling up wins early is good. And I have what I've, for the last decade, since the Pistons basically went into the crapper in 2009, I've had a rule with them that I give them the first 16 games. Just like in NFL season, I give them 16 games to show me something. And more often than not, after 16 games, they're 6-10, and 10, or they're seven and nine, or they're five and eleven. Oof! One year, I think one year they were like three and thirteen. It was bad. They're eleven and five. They've got the second best record in the East right now. 
behind the Boston Celtics, who lost their first two games and then haven't lost a game since. And it's not like the Pistons are out here beating a bunch of scrubs. They got wins off the Clippers when they were still good. They got win, they got a win off Golden State, for God's sake. They beat Minnesota twice, just beat Minnesota the other night, as you heard in the intro. And, and by the way, I actually want to give props to Reggie Jackson for his little troll move on Jimmy Butler. At the end of the game, Jimmy Butler's fouled foolishly. You never foul the shooter. Jimmy Butler's fouled trying for a tying three. Dude makes first two free throws, and as he's squaring up for the third, Reggie Jackson has all of a sudden started yelling in his ear, faking like he's directing Stanley Johnson on the low block. It throws off Butler's rhythm. He misses the free throw. The Pistons go down, get two free throws from Avery Bradley. They end up winning 100-97. That's strategic. That's strategery from a Piston team that is not that talented but keeps finding ways to win. And when you're coming off having just beefed a 23-point lead in Indianapolis, you kind of need to do BS like that in order to win. But they're 11-5. and five. And yeah, they can't sell out that arena. They're Right now, as we do this show, they're 11-5. and five. They got Cleveland coming in. So that could markedly change by the time you hear this. And that will probably be their first legit sellout, by the way, is LeBron and company coming in. But at 11-5 and five after 16 games, okay, I ain't mad. I'm not mad at all because if nothing else, yeah, they're still a boring team. They're still milk toast. There's still nothing that makes me want to jump out of my seat and watch them. But the Pistons are showing me a little something. They're one of those pleasant surprises in the NBA, along with the 76ers, albeit they beef the 24-point lead to the Warriors. Nothing like scoring 47 in the first quarter and then getting 47 hung on you in the third. That's not supposed to happen. But they're just like the 76ers. They're like Minnesota, who they've beaten twice. They're one of those pleasant surprises in the NBA. And for the first time in a while, the Pistons are at least making me consider paying attention to them. And sometimes... That's all you can ask for out of that team because they have basically been irrelevant for the better part of a decade. So yeah, while I'm back here, I might peruse StubHub and see if I can slither into one of these games while I'm back home. Because, you know, that arena looks cool, but I actually kind of want to see what the team looks like on the floor. And as always, it's nice to be home. My name is Jay Scott Smith. Coming up after this break, I will take you to the interview that I did with my good friend and someone that you're really going to need to keep an eye on in the next three to five years. Miss Renee Washington, my interview with Renee Washington right here on the People's Podcast, episode 57, episode Cinquenta Siete. This is JSC Radio, Thanksgiving Week Edition, and we'll be back after this. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ranger Station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Hey now, what up though? Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you. The JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right. Looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode. I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. 
for $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus, you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time, you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. This is the 57th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here. Once again, want to thank each and every one of you for supporting the show, whether you're supporting the show on iTunes, that would be on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. You don't have to do a damn thing after that. Plus, of course, you can go to SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash JSC Radio. You can find us on Stitcher Radio. You can find us on Audio Boom. You can go to Google Play if you've got an Android and don't have an iPhone like I do. I don't know why you'd have an Android, but if you do, that's where you can go to hear the show. And plus, go to jscottsmith.com to support us as well. I want to shout out my man, Doc Illensworth, back in the Motor City for giving us the beats that you hear every week. Go over to his website, illingsworks.com. And plus, you can follow him on Twitter at illingsworth, I-L-L-I-N-G-S-W-O-R-T-H. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at jscottsmith, the show at JSC Radio. I told y'all, we'll definitely have a guest in here. We try to have him from time to time. And I definitely wanted to have this young lady on here because she's not only has she helped me out a ton in this transition over to JSC TV, but she's also, I, I would say this much, you get to recognize her name now because within the next three to five years, you're going to be seeing her everywhere. She is a former All-American soccer player, as well as now currently a color commentator on the Ivy League Network. Ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls and children of all ages, I would like to welcome to JSC Radio for the first time, Miss Renee Washington. Renee, welcome. Hey, glad to be here. Thank you for your kind words, too. Oh, it's, it's no problem. You, you've helped me out more than I think you even realize, <laughs> getting, <laughs> getting, helping to get me out here. But I, I will say this. It's like the thing about this show that I always try to do is I always try to look out for women in sports and women in sports broadcasting and your story just jumped out to me because you're a high profile athlete i mean being an all-american soccer player that's not that's not small change considering where soccer is in this country so first thing i want to do is i want to get the people to kind of get to know who you are and you can tell your story better than i can so for somebody who might be hearing your voice for the first time it obviously won't be the last tell me more (laughs) of your story here about what got you into soccer and what got you into sports. I guess help introduce the world to Renee. Oh, gosh, where do I begin? So um, I come from a sports family. My dad played professional basketball overseas. My mom played in college. My All my siblings, um, there's four of us, and my older sisters kind of paved the way for me, so to speak. Um, we all played every single sport, and soccer was just the one that my sisters and I really gravitated towards. I played basketball and soccer growing up. I ran track. Um, and the more I got into it, the more I enjoyed it. So, you know, I started training, playing travel soccer. I started, I played school soccer all the way through high school. I also was on the ODP team, which um, for those that do not know, the national team for the for men's and women's soccer has youth national teams and then from there it's broken down into regional teams and state teams so I played on the state and the regional team um all growing up as well and then got into college at LaSalle played four years at LaSalle and was part of a uh, very historic four years so to speak so between myself and my teammates we made a lot of history a lot of firsts in the program and I did go on to coach at Lehigh University, which is why you are partly I um, may have gotten that confused because a lot of people do. It's L and L and they actually played each other and everything. So yes, I was a three time All American at LaSalle University before getting into playing professional soccer with Sky Blue. And um, that was out of New Jersey and it was at that time I was offered an opportunity to coach at Lehigh, get my master's degree. So for me, that was just the right move to make because uh, I knew I could not play soccer forever as much as I would have liked to. So from there, I transitioned into coaching and also more broadcasting, um, full-time into broadcasting, working with the Lehigh Sports Media Department. And from there, I just kind of continued stepping up and forward. 
So what was it about? <laughs> I, I, you, that is a lot. That is that's a hell of a resume, by the way. It's and Thank I you. <laughs> I will say this. So uh, of, what was it about soccer? I, I mean, I'm because everybody has a sport, and you and you mentioned soccer was what drew you in. For me, it was baseball, and baseball was right. the thing that just pulled me in from the very beginning. What was it about soccer? Was there a particular time playing it? Was there a particular game you saw where it just it was just the that was when the light bulb went off that this is what I want to do? Yeah, I mean, um, for me, I was always way better at soccer than basketball, so it was natural for me to continue playing that. It was a sport that I was fearless in, so to speak, so I used to, and I remember this like it was yesterday, growing up, my parents and my sister's Mm -hmm. coaches would allow me to practice with them. My sisters are three years older than me, so when they were seniors in high school, I was a freshman, which is a big jump as you're growing up. Soccer, I had no problem with it. I was all for it. I wanted to play with them as much as I could. Basketball, I was scared to death. I was I was intimidated. I did not feel as confident. And I've always had confidence in soccer that regardless if I know anybody on the field, regardless if they're boys, girls, older, younger, whatever, I just always wanted to play. And that's kind of what made me really realize when people were asking me, do you like soccer or basketball more? Well, without a doubt, it was soccer because that was a sport that was my bread and butter. And I enjoyed playing it. I wanted to play as much as I could. I played in my living room growing up, in my backyard, in my basement, anywhere I could possibly play, I wanted to play soccer. So it just was um, not something that was as forced. And even now today, as I still coach on the side, I see that a lot. Everything is a lot more structured, more times that are allotted towards playing and practicing versus kids just going out and playing and that's what I did I I was never I mean I had a trainer that I would work with occasionally but I just always wanted to play soccer as much as possible whether it was structured or not now you still you you obviously coach how often do you play or do you or are you completely done playing so I am done (laughs) you're you're done Um, it's it's very hard to find a competitive league now there are a lot of co-ed leagues but um, it's just not the same. And for me, playing at such a high level in college soccer where, I mean, I was, I mean, I still to this day hold records at the school for being the second highest point scorer in terms of goals and assists. Um, I was national player of the week one week, so across all Division One sports, um, I, I mean, Division One soccer, I was the p- player of the week. I was also voted one of the top 50 NCAA women of the year, so Competing at a high level, I mean, even though LaSalle was such a small school, we were still put on a national stage at the time. I mean, we were across a lot of different um, states and schools. People recognized us for our unbeaten streak, for having a number of shutouts, which was a record at the time, and different things. So for me to play in a league now that is not at that level, it's just kind of like a, almost like a waste of time. It's not fun, I should say. (laughs) <laughs> was there, I'm too competitive. No, I can I can hear that in your voice, and just being around you, having been around you before, I can I can tell you have that. I I I think that's one of the reasons why I like you because you and I both have that same kind of really competitive nature, right? And it it itches. It's the itches always there. Did you exactly in terms of what you did in college? Was there ever an opportunity for say for you to at least get a shot at maybe the national team? So I, the highest I ever got was the regional level. I did try out for the national team, did not make it. Um, I have a number of friends who played and still play on the national team and still play in the women's professional league and on the men's side as well. I actually was never given the opportunity. I was never called into the camp as I got into college. And um, partly why I actually did, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's just because of um, how I was treated, but partly why I did step away from soccer is as a player is, it was just very political. And once I got to the professional level and now my love for the game was tainted by a lot of things that I had gone through growing, growing up, it just didn't make sense for me to continue pursuing something that even though I loved it, there were just so many negatives about it. And as a female professional soccer player, you're not making a lot of money. It's not really a career you can live off of. And it's something that is not, does not allow for a stable, um, you know, in terms of income and, and, you as an adult now versus a college athlete that was on scholarship, that was my revenue, and I was doing it simply to get an education and to play, it just was time to step away. That so is- I I was never able to get into it, but I know a number of people that still do, and, you know, that's their path. That is an interesting point, because I've heard that from women I've known who've ended up going into professional basketball, and they end up playing overseas mm-hmm. because 
they actually make more money overseas than they would say exactly. in WNBA. Is how how distinct is that pay gap? Because we hear about the the wage gap for men and women in this country, and it's pretty pronounced. I think it's like seventy percent, and it's even a little bit higher. It's a, it's a bigger gap for say if you're a woman of color as opposed to to a white woman. But it's the what is what's that like? I guess when when people put it in perspective, it's like oh she played professionally. That means she must have. Made, no, what is what what is it what is it like when you're playing professionally in a sport that unfortunately kind of like college is not exactly the highest of revenue sports right exactly and that's the biggest thing is i don't think people really realize exactly what the difference is i don't know what it is in terms of percentages but and of course don't quote me on this number um this is just a ballpark number for what i knew you know a couple years back but the gap that i was being told or the salary that I was being told was anywhere from $4,000 to $40,000 for the year. And that mean, meaning the lower level players are getting around 4000 the higher level are getting around 40000 Now that number, of course, has fluctuated over the years, up or down, I have no idea. But on the men's side, they are at least making, some of their players making six figures or around that area. So it's a huge gap in that, and that still is not a lot of money when you really put it into perspective as an adult. Um for what you're, the time, travel, and everything, and even the stage that you're on as a professional athlete. So a number of people do go play overseas simply because you get treated like a professional. You'll have a stadium, you'll have practice gear, you'll have uniforms, you'll have, you know, fans that actually want to come watch you. You'll have stadiums that are full of fans and kids that'll wear your jerseys and things. Whereas in the United States, unfortunately, soccer is not seen as big of a. Of, um, as highly as other sports and not regarded as highly. So there are some professional soccer teams, especially on the women's side, that don't even have their own stadium. They'll play in in a college stadium, a local college, or they don't have practice gear. They don't have, you know, you have to buy that. You have to buy your own gear. You, you of course, are given a uniform, but it's just not nearly as much of a professional atmosphere as you see in other sports and definitely overseas. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point. Now, I, I remember back in the 1990s, the first time soccer really made a push in the U.S. Right. That was when the the World Cup was held here in 1994, and then the women yes. won the won the World Cup. I think it was four years later, and it was a, it was a there was a push for soccer. That's where Major League mm-hmm. Soccer comes from, and they tried the women's leagues. Why do you think? I mean, you made a, you kind of made a little bit of a note of that. Why do you think that soccer, even though it has made great strides, it's a lot more popular now than it was when I was a teenager. 20 years ago, as crazy as that sounds, 20 years ago, it is a, it, it's a lot bigger now. But why is it that soccer, as popular as it is overseas and around the world, pretty much everywhere outside of the U.S., how is it that soccer hasn't fully taken hold in this country the way it has in other places? Well, unfortunately, there are a lot of people that do not understand soccer. So soccer is not seen as a as much of an exciting sport as other sports, and I've heard this a million times from people, because A, they don't get it, and B, also there are not a lot of goals, in this case, points with other sports that are scored. So when you watch a basketball game and, you know, your teams are getting to 100 points and there's a lot of baskets going on and fouls and rebounds and more highlights, especially on the men's side with guys dunking and things like that, it's more exciting. Soccer, you... Every once in a while, we'll see a play that people perceive as exciting. To me, obviously, since I get the sport, it's very exciting at times. Um, but that's why players like Messi and Ronaldo and um, Neymar, those types of guys, are so highly regarded in soccer because they're flashy. And there are not a lot of flashy soccer players. And the sport in itself is not flashy. It's more of like a, a golf, baseball, no offense, I know you're a baseball fan, but it's seen as, as more similar to like a slower sport that people don't naturally understand you know what's happening in basketball you know what's happening in football it's cut you know cut and dry you know what's going on you know when a home run is hit in baseball you know when a goal is scored in soccer but we don't have as many goals in soccer so a headball clearance or a big tackle or a wall pass or something is not seen as exciting and so when people are looking at revenue wise if i'm selling a basketball ad or a football ad or if i'm a sponsor the money is not in soccer because nobody cares about soccer. So everyone tends to go the route of other sports. And even athletes tend to pick a sport like football because they know they have a better chance of making the NFL, even though they may be a better soccer player. And so it's, it's a whole system that I don't know how it will change, 
but there are a lot of nooks and crannies, so to speak, as to why soccer is seen as boring. There was a, yeah, I, re- I remember as a kid, there were a few high profile soccer players. I'm mm-hmm. just old enough to remember when Pelé was still considered, yes. like, the, he's, he was the gold standard of soccer exactly. players. And then there were the likes of David Beckham and Diego Maradona. And I remember, right. and you mentioned something about, like, going on to play football. I remember Tony Miola, after the 94 World Cup, he tried out for the New York Jets to be a kicker. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was weird because everyone assumed, oh, he's a soccer player. He, should, he was not a good place kicker. He, he yeah. just went out there, but they figured, okay, he's a soccer player. You can kick. It's They're different sports, and there are people who – I mean, you mentioned baseball. That's the thing I always get into with people who claim baseball is boring. I know that you're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> baseball is awesome. And, and, you, right. it's, and I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago on the, on the podcast here is that if you watch a baseball game enough, if you watch that World Series enough, you get that, yeah, the game's not as slow as you think, especially if you can get right. into it and you understand that pitching sometimes – you're going to have tactical changes. A National League game is different from an American League game. You're going to have some some games are going to go an hour and a half, two hours because two pitchers get out there and just strike everybody out. You might have a five-hour game because guys are pulling gamesmanship, and it might end up being a 3-2 game. You never really know. So I exactly. and I've I've always been able to relate to that in turn. Even though soccer, even though strangely soccer fans and baseball fans knock heads seemingly a lot, we actually <laughs> should probably get each other because both of our sports are kind of. Kind of greatly misunderstood. The only disadvantage is that baseball had a run of decades in this country before the damn NFL suddenly came in and just kind of shoved everybody out of the way. It's right. it's interesting. You, I mean, you talk about how you you went from playing. You're now coaching at uh, Lehigh, and you also got into broadcasting. What attracted you to broadcasting? So I've always. Um actually wanted to work in sports, especially in journalism. And when I was um, playing college soccer, I didn't really think I could do it. And it's it's still funny to me when I say this, but at the time when I was 20, 21 years old, I thought it was too late. And I know <laughs> looking back, I'm like, that was such a foolish young mindset, but it really was. I was looking at my classmates who were part of LaSalle TV, LaSalle Radio, you know, had internships at Fox and different places. And I had seven internships through college, but I had them all in public relations, social media management, things that I did not think applied to journalism. And looking back, it's funny because a lot of those same things I did, I video editing, even, you know, marketing and appealing to audiences, communicating with audiences, those things carried over very easily into broadcasting but it wasn't until I started coaching at Lehigh University um, and I was there for two years during a, my my coaching program as a graduate assistant was a two-year program um, and for those two years as I fully got into working with the sports media department I also started doing freelance writing and that was when I was like you know what I have to make this jump if, if I want I have to fully you know Fully trying. You got. You got to. Been fully trying before. You got to get all the I way had, in on it, basically. Exactly. I had been sticking my toe in, so to speak, and I had to just jump in. So I was actually offered after graduation, um, and after I stopped coaching last May, I was offered an internship with my current job at the Bucks County Courier Times, and I was also offered some other jobs working just solely in coaching, solely in um, like different, at, you know different uh, fields of sports that were not broadcasting and they were safe jobs so to speak i could have been an assistant coach at lehigh and stepped into that role like you know different safe but they weren't what i wanted to do so i jumped in took that that leap of faith and since last may of 2000 may of 2016 it has been like a whole 180 in terms of how much i've really got into broadcasting i mean i've fully committed to it and it has paid off so I've, I've always wanted to do it. I just never thought I could do it because I was so blinded by soccer, which is why I'm thankful that things played out the way that they did because had I not had that experience that forced me to step away from soccer, I might still be playing, not liking it, getting paid. I could not be a soccer player in my life and live a stable life. So um, I, this is something that I've always wanted to do. I enjoy doing everything. Now, as you can tell... Renee doesn't pull any punches about her transition from being an All-American athlete to an All-Star reporter. But coming up after this break, she's going to break down for you what some of her biggest challenges have been in this business, as well as her goals for the business. And speaking of goals, she also talks about one in particular, 
that not only changed her fortunes, but the fortunes of the LaSalle Explorers. My name is J. Scott Smith, and this is the 57th episode, episode Cuenta y Siete of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. I'll be back with more from Renee Washington after this. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kendall Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows, such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. You don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. This is the People's Podcast, episode 57 of JSC Radio. J. Scott Smith here. Welcome back. Damn it. One more time, I want to thank each and every one of y'all who support this show. Coming to you from the Motor City for Thanksgiving this week. Hope you're having a great Thanksgiving no matter where in the country you are, whether you're in Detroit, whether you're in Philadelphia, whether you're in New Jersey, New York, wherever your ass might be overeating and falling asleep near the TV, I appreciate you taking a little time from your Thanksgiving weekend and your Thanksgiving festivities to spend it here with me on JSC Radio. I want to shout out my man, Doc Illingsworth, who, of course, produces the soundtrack for this show. I want to give a big ups and a lots of love and support to the people over at Detroit City. All y'all all y'all boys have supported me forever and I want to thank y'all so much for doing the same. Anybody who wants to come through, holla at me at soundcloud.com slash JSC Radio. Support the show. Hit up patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Be sure to of course check out jscottsmith.com and also remember if you haven't already, you can subscribe on iTunes. Just hit the subscribe button. Stitcher, hit the subscribe button. Google Play, hit the subscribe. You 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 see where I'm saying here. We're all over the place. So thank you, damn it, thank you. Now back to the business at hand. We pick up the interview with Miss Renee Washington, the former All-American soccer player at LaSalle turned reporter, as she talks to us about what it's been like to make that transition fully over from being an athlete to a reporter and some of the pitfalls that she's run into along the way. This is JSC Radio. No, I understand you saying that you couldn't play soccer the rest of your life, especially with right. the level of pay and the direction it was going. So now you exactly. enter you enter into this world. You mentioned something about thinking you were too old. I can I can tell you, I don't think I've told you this. Hell, I was I was, I think, thirty when I kind of had to hit the reboot button on what I was gonna do. When I came I I, I started in radio it was twelve years ago. I was I was twenty five, twenty six when I got my first radio job. And by the time I reset everything, I was almost 30, 31. I'm thinking I might not have another shot at this. It's right. never it's never too late if you've got the it's requisite not. talent. Exactly. And that's the, and I see that now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the thing is, you can easily pass that along to someone else to pass that message on to someone else. They look at you because just from what I've seen of you, you look like you have the role model. <laughs> you give off this the role model vibe. 
And I can see that because oh, you're, you're that. you have that level of focus. And that's one thing that jumps out to me about you is that you you get it. You look like someone who's been doing this your whole your whole life when you came in. So, but right. you mentioned it's like that's a tough move to make. And I guess to give some of the listeners an idea, as a as a let's be real, as a young black woman coming into this business, even at the level that you're in right now, what difficulties have you run into? <laughs> well, I'll be completely honest with you in the sense that it has never been easy and it has never been simple. So, even when I was in college, and this is something that has helped propel me to where I am today, and I'm not nearly as close to where I want to be, and I'm, I'm not even going to act like I'm perfect in my job and everything, but back in college, I actually started really falling in love with working, which is, which is weird, but I really just loved the feeling of growth, the feeling of being effective and being able to develop a craft, and like when I picked up my first internship my sophomore year of college, that turned into another one. And I was offered an opportunity from my supervisor with that internship who reached out to someone else and got me an internship with them. And it just kept continuing in that same path. And then once I got to Lehigh, it was the same thing. I I knew the coaches there. They had I played against them all four years. They knew I was interested in playing professional soccer. And they are like, look, we will work with you if you want to play pro. You can coach here and you can play pro. And I was like, you know what? I just want to go all in. Same thing. I, I don't want to half commit. I want to be fully there, stop playing, started coaching. Once I was in, at Lehigh, I actually had like four or five jobs at the time. I was doing youth training on the side. And I still train on the side, um, private sessions, small group sessions. I was doing training on the side. I was coaching at Lehigh. I was freelance writing. I was working in sports media at Lehigh. Um, I was babysitting. I was a nanny, actually, for an adorable one-year-old. Um, and I just had all these different things going. And that's something that I've always had for myself. So once I got into broadcasting and I got my job working with Gatehouse, it was the same thing. I, I jumped into my job. And once I, once I got adjusted, I was like, you know what? This is not enough. For where I want to get to one day as an, a live TV personality on a big news sports news network in a big market, this is not enough. And the biggest challenge I have had has been being questioned, my credibility, but the best way I've answered it is by doing more. So once I got my job and I was fully settled in it, it did take some time, obviously, to adapt. I started picking up some side things. So I got back into freelance writing. I um, now do color commentary for the Ivy League Network for men, the men's and women's soccer teams at Princeton University, but also with their will be working with their other sports. I have my own sports show at uh, RBN TV. And I also am working part-time with another radio station, actually WBCB, doing sideline reporting, play-by-play color commentary. So it's a lot. Plus, I still coach three soccer teams. Um, (laughs) I coach three youth soccer teams. But when everyone's like, how do you do it? Well, because I want to, I know what my goals are and what my dreams are. And I know it's not going to be simple to get there. And I know that when I go to events like the National Association of Black Journalists event down in New Orleans, we went to, and different conferences and things, and people look at my resume, they're like, oh, you've only been doing this, or you you don't have this. So my goal and the most difficult part for me has been hearing I'm not good enough because it's not something that I've, I've ever settled for. I mean, in soccer, it was the same thing. I was told I was too skinny. I was too tall. I played for my dad growing up, and everyone used to say, you're not good enough. You're only getting by because your dad coached you. And I was determined to prove that I was good enough. When I got at each level I got to, I was determined to get to the next one. And I've never settled, and it's been the same thing with my career. So I, I it's, it's not really a hurdle for me. It's like a fuel to the fire to hear you're not good enough. You know, when I apply for a job, I don't get the job. Okay, well, you know what? You're gonna feel you're gonna regret that one day because I'm gonna be working somewhere else, and you're gonna say you could have had me working for you. And that's my mindset, and it has always been my mindset. So right now, even I have like six different jobs going on, and everyone's like, "How do you battle it? How do you juggle it?" Well, 25, I don't have kids. I'm not married. I live at home. I have my own car. Done. I juggle it. <laughs> I, I juggle it. <laughs> so. It, it keeps me busy, but it's it's motivation for me knowing that one day I'll be able to check some boxes off, knowing that I did this, I did this, I accomplished this, and I am to wherever or however far I hopefully get to. What are some of the best parts about what you do? 
Oh, where do I begin? So um, that actually is what also motivates me because I have a lot of people that positively respond towards me, and I have I have kids kids that I have coach that I coach, and some of them have even said to me. Um, and their parents told me this, like, don't tell her, she'll be, like, embarrassed that I told you. But I have had little girls that say, you know, one day I want to be a sports supporter like you. And I didn't know that that was a job. But now that I see what you're doing, I want to be like you when I grow up. And I've heard that from so many different kids. I've had college kids and high school kids that have reached out to me personally saying, I follow you. I love all your work. You know, do you have any pointers for me? And do you have any advice for me? Those types of things are so exciting to see. When I, I am now the one that's giving back to someone else because I remember when I was really first getting into broadcasting, really getting into soccer, really like with each hurdle as I was getting into it, I looked up to someone else. There was my rabbit that I was chasing. And I always was the person that would, and I still do, reach out to people, hey, you know, I, I follow your show, I, I, you know, I love what you do, do you have any advice for me? I still to this day do that with other people. So it's exciting to me when I get that same response from people that highly regard me as someone, and I know I'm not even anywhere close to where I want to be, but to have that moment to just take a step back and, and realize, look, I have gotten a lot farther than I had ever imagined in a year and some change that I would be here. And someone out there is watching me, and I have to make sure that I'm still doing what I'm supposed to do that's why all my social media, everything that I put out, I try to make sure I keep a clean profile because I know some little girl or little boy is watching me, whether as a coach, a soccer player, a reporter, is looking up to me and I have to be the role model that they need. Before we go here, of all the all, and I and you got a you got a hell of a resume as a soccer player. What is your favorite moment as a player from LaSalle? Ooh, um you got a lot of them, I know. So it's like you got to, it's like going through that portfolio and finding what game was it that you really just, that you think about? Is it there's something that you kind of replay in your head? I've, everyone's got, got one. I got, I, I got my baseball and football game I replay. Yeah, I do actually. This was, this was a turning point for me. And it was kind of like a, uh, a breakthrough moment where a lot of pressure was just taken off my shoulders. And a moment that made me realize that I really can do more than I, that, I know. And I think that's something a lot of people get stuck on. We have goals, we have dreams, we get pigeonholed that we're not good enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not tall enough, we're not whatever, smart enough. And that was the moment that I really was like, you know what, I can do whatever I put my mind to. And my sophomore year of college, um, my team had been at LaSalle, we were undefeated. We hadn't given up a goal. We were, I'm gonna, we were over halfway through our season. So we had the highest at the time, the we were the only team in the entire country that had still not given up a goal, which if you, anyone that knows soccer and knows there's 90 minutes of soccer in regulation, plus more if there's overtime, that's a lot of time without giving up a goal. And we were playing the number 15 team in the country, which was Dayton at the time. They were also in our conference and they scored on us. We gave up our first goal of the season. I mean, it was a great goal. So we were uh, down 1-0. And first we got a penalty kick. One, uh, there was a handball in the box, actually. I took the PK. I scored it. And then uh, tied up 1-1. We head into overtime. And this was a game that we were expected to lose. Everyone was saying, you know, we were getting lucky. We were lucky to be undefeated. We weren't playing good teams. There were all the excuses were rolling out. And I still to this day have no idea why, but it's on this, there are a, there are tons of videos actually on YouTube. If you YouTube Renee Washington, LaSalle, Dayton, It'll pop up. Um, But in the game, just it was like a minute or a couple minutes into overtime. I actually have no idea how much time. There was a goal kick. Dayton had a goal kick. They played out. A teammate of mine, um, I actually brought, I think I brought the ball down, passed it to a teammate who passed it back to me. And that was like 10 yards in in front of midfield, maybe. Maybe 15. Um, And I shot it. I mean, this is like 35, 40 yards out. I shot it, and it went in upper 90. And to this day, I still have no idea why I shot that shot. I don't even remember <laughs> shooting it. I just remember it going in. And everyone rushed the field, my family, friends, classmates. Everyone rushed the field. We, you know, they picked me up. They were picking my teammates up. We won. We knocked off the number 15 team in the country. We were ranked in the, you know, in in the top 20 at the time um, that boosted us up and it was like the shot heard around the world joined here by the hero 
of the day, Renee Washington. Renee, what's going through your head during that penalty kick? Do you know what side you're going to? Um, yeah, I actually go to the same side every time. So I kind of, I knew which way I was going, and I was just going to stick with that corner and just help my team get back on the scoreboard. In, in overtime, what were some of the things that were going through your head during, during that timeout when your coach was talking to you and then obviously the goal? Um, as any attacker in overtime, it's kind of like you have to help your team out by just going out there, playing hard, 10 minutes strong, win or go home at that point. So last year we had a lot of overtime games, and this, so we were prepared this year to come in. So we need to just stick together. Um, after our goal, we just kind of st stuck together, picked each other up to just bounce back and get a nice win. How fun is this? This is really exciting. I don't know how they got on the field, but this is really exciting. All right, that's Renee Washington. The Explorers with an unbelievable come-from-behind victory. They trail by one nothing against Dayton and then they come back to win their first win ever over a ranked team. The Explorers win 2-1 to one in overtime. And from there, we went on to make our first NCAA appearance. We went on to win our first two ever conference tournaments. In fact, LaSalle just won this, this um, a couple days ago, too. So congratulations to them. But we, or I should say a couple weeks ago, but we made so many different miles, milestones, and it all started with that game. And for me, that was the confidence booster I needed, not just for soccer, but for life. I still have no idea why I shot that shot. And everyone asks me all the time, why did you shoot that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I tell my players this when with coaching, but in life, I feel like if you set yourself up with the right tools, you train properly, whether it's in sports, school, whatever, you will do things that you'll look back on and be like, how did I do that? Because you've set yourself up, you've done the right things day in and day out, that you now, when that moment comes for you to step up, you're ready. And that was my moment. And from there on, I just have this confidence that I can kind of step up, knock down that shot, and so to speak, um, and whatever it is that I do, not know why, not know how, but I'll get it done. And now when I look back and even when I look at where I am now, I'm like, how did I even get here? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know why I took that shot. But I just, I know that I have been preparing and I've worked my butt off just like I worked my butt off to prepare for that season and that game. And when you do the right things mentally, physically, spiritually, you will reap what you sow. And in my case, so far, God has blessed me. And I'm thankful for that moment because it propels me into the next moment, which eventually got me here. So that, if you, you can really YouTube it. It's right on YouTube. And I actually have clips of it too. Oh, I'm sure you do. I'm, oh, I, yeah, I will forever cherish. <laughs> hell, I would. I'd make sure oh, I have man. that on there. How can yeah. people How can people find you? How can people get a hold of you? I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I have uh, my own website that I actually created. It's www.renee, which is R-E-N-E-E-P-Washington.com. That's my website. From there, you can get to all my social media, my email and everything, but... I am Renee P. Washington on Instagram, Renee P. Washington on Facebook, Renee P. Wash on Twitter, um, and Renee P. Washington.com on my, web my website. So definitely feel free to follow me, email me, whatever, check out my website, and hopefully I will be getting in touch with some more people um, or hear from some people. So I'm what everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, I would say once again, you might want to make sure you get used to hearing this voice. <laughs> Because you're going to hear her all over the place within oh, the next th three to five years. She's she's an awesome human being. She was really good to me. And anybody who's good to me is guaranteed to get on this show no matter what. So I appreciate you talking to me. I appreciate all the help you've given me. And anything I can do to help you, obviously, you know where to find me. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Renee Washington, Renee P. Washington on Twitter. Go follow her. Go tell her that I sent you over there if need be. Oh, thank but, but thank you so much for coming on JSE Radio, Renee. No problem. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I could help you out just as much as you helped me out. So I appreciate it. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, want to thank Renee Washington for coming on JSC Radio and honestly for all the help she's given me in getting JSC TV off the ground. So be sure to support Renee Washington. Follow her on Twitter at Renee P. Wash on Twitter. Be sure to be nice when you do so and definitely tell her that I sent you. My name is Jay Scott Smith telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend. Don't act like too much of a spaz on Black Friday. Don't drink and drive. And get your ass back here next week where I will be back in Philadelphia bringing you another episode of The People's Podcast, JSC Radio. 
Until then, have a great weekend, and goodbye, everybody. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.